You mustn't settle. You cannot quit. That's one small step for man. This year is yours for the taking. A mountain to conquer, a giant to slay. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. That proverbial line in the sand in the journey of life. God is with you. Step out. I have a dream today. He is for you. Step up. You and I were saved by the cross. Let nothing hold you back. Great moments are born great opportunity. Believe this is your year. Now it's time to see who has a heart. Declare it. We all want to help one another. Human beings are like that. Then make it so. I'm curious uh, if there's anybody else out there that regularly has to deal with criticism. Anybody, anybody get criticized out there? Man, tough for you, because as a pastor, a man of the cloth, um, I don't ever have to deal with criticism. I just praise God for that, you know? You, you know better than that, right? Uh, you you want to hear a few emails? You, you want me to read you a few emails? I mean, I don't have to. You, you want to hear them? All right, all right, all right I'll, I'll, I'll read you just a couple. These, uh, here's one. Dear Ashley, as a follower of Christ, I cannot remain silent any longer. I have to ask, did you put any study into the sermon you just preached last weekend? I pray I'm not the only one that sends you an email. False teaching does not sit well with Jesus. And then she kind of tells me all the things that were wrong with my message. It was awesome. It was great. I love reading it. Uh, Here's another one. Pastor Ashley, we heard great things about your church a few weekends ago. We decided to try it out. In all honesty, we were appalled. The sermon was so terrible, we got up and walked out 20 minutes in. I'm like, I'm just glad you lasted 20 minutes. Way to go, you know? <laughs> I asked Dave and Mark, our other two teaching pastors, I said, can you send me some, some emails you've gotten? And so they sent me a few. Here's one. Someone wrote, you are always consistent, consistently bad. Here's an idea. Surprise us and prepare sometime. I was like, that's awesome. Uh, Dave sent me this one. It was a new uh, hairstyle he had. And someone said this. I don't like it. <laughs> P.S. Are you renting your forehead out for advertising space? That's just mean. Mark sent me this one. He said, uh, someone said, said to him, that sermon was the first time I was embarrassed for you. I want my son to listen to Dave. Would you at least let us know when he's coming? Come on. This may be uh, my favorite. After listening to you preach, I feel you missed your calling. You should have been a farmer. Now, listen, if you have a pulse here today, you have to deal with criticism. All of us do. I don't care if you're a teacher, a student, you're a nurse, you work in the public sector, maybe government, you're a policeman, a firefighter, you're a salesman, a lawyer, you're a sales clerk. I mean, stay-at-home moms. Hey, how about you? Husbands out there. I mean, we all deal with criticism. It's actually been said that to avoid criticism... You should do nothing, say nothing, and be nothing. Now, I hate to criticize that saying, but can I criticize it? If you do nothing, say nothing, and you are nothing, you're going to get criticized as well. So every single one of us has to deal with this in our lives. Now, to be clear this weekend, I'm not talking about the helpful, constructive criticism that comes from people that really do have our best interests at heart, people that love us. 
I'm not talking about that constructive kind of criticism. We've preached in the past about the importance of receiving feedback, being open to feedback. That's not what I'm talking about. This weekend, I want to talk about that harsh, cruel, unfair criticism that comes into all of our lives. And I want to talk about it because if you're not careful, that kind of criticism can pierce your heart and turn you into someone that you don't even want to be. In fact, let me say it this way. If you allow the arrows of criticism to pierce your heart, you will bleed bitterness on everyone you love around you. And in addition to that, you will become a bitter person, and that kind of criticism that pierces you will hold you back from all the goodness and the plans God has for your life. It'll destroy your mental health. It'll take you away from all the good things you even want in life, not only that God has for you. And so we're in week four of a series called I Declare, and today I want to give you a declaration that I am crazy passionate about. And I'm going to give you the declaration up front like we have every week, and then I want to look at it biblically, and then I want to give you a chance at the end to take a declaration that I believe can transform your life. Here's our fourth declaration. It says this, this year with God's help and the power of the Holy Spirit, I declare I won't let criticism crush me. People's opinion of me will not hold me back from God's plans for me. I will live for an audience of one. Now, this message more than most comes from a very personal place in my life. In fact, I would tell you that the last few years, this is one of the greatest works that God has done in my life teaching me on this topic. And it happened and it started all four years ago during the pandemic. Four years ago, I experienced a level of criticism that I have never experienced before in my life. Now, I know as a leader that criticism is going to come and there's a saying that says you can't please all people all the time. You can please some people some of the time. I felt like during the pandemic, I couldn't please anyone at any time. This is how I felt. And what happened was the level of criticism coming my way, it honestly started to affect my heart. It started to pierce my heart. And so during that season, here's what God did. Not an audible voice. I just felt like God impressed upon me. And here's what he said, Ashley, I'm going to teach you to deal with criticism. And here's why, because it's only going to get worse. Now, I didn't like the second part of that. I liked the first part of it, but here's what I felt like God was telling me. The level of criticism you're dealing with now, you better learn to deal with it. And I'm gonna teach you because in the future it will get worse. And here's why it will get worse for all of us, by the way. If you're a follower of Jesus here today, as our world continues to slide away from Christian values, being a follower of Jesus, we will only get more criticism in the future. So if you don't learn to deal with this, I'm just telling you there's more at stake than you could ever imagine. You could fall away in your faith. You could slide in your morals. You could destroy your mental health. And you truly could be held back from where God wants you to go. So what I want to do today is I want to teach you what I learned and have been learning four years ago to this moment. And I've held off almost teaching it because I've really wanted God to sink this in my heart. And I'm still a work in progress on this. I don't have this all figured out. I just know what God's teaching me and I know what God wants to teach 
our church. Now, I'm going to give you five principles today. I have ten principles total I want to teach you, but I only have time for five today. So if you follow us on social, I'm going to put the other five in summary form on social so you can have the whole picture, and I may teach on those at another time in our church. But I want to give you five principles, five biblical principles, so that you can learn to deal with criticism. I hope you're taking notes today. Here's principle number one. We're going to anticipate it, and it will help you deal with it. This is so simple, yet so profound. I was talking to John Maxwell uh, four years ago, and I said, John, you deal with so much criticism. You're one of the greatest leadership experts in the world. What do you do do to deal with criticism? He said, Ashley, the first thing we're going to do biblically is we're going to anticipate it. Now, this is unbelievably wise. Because here's what happens to a lot of us. We walk through life and we think this. Well, if I'm a good person, if I have good character and integrity, no one should criticize me, right? Wrong. In fact, when you look through scripture, I can't find one hero of the faith that didn't get trashed in tons of criticism. In fact, who was the person in scripture that got more criticism than anyone else? Who was it? Jesus. Now think about that. We're not perfect. Jesus was perfect in every way, and no one, no one was criticized more than Jesus. And Jesus, trying to teach us about criticism, he gives us a heads up and says, I want you to anticipate it. Listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 15. He says this, if the world hates you, keep in mind, it hated me first. And then he goes on to say, it hates you because you're not of this world. You were designed for another world. You don't live according to the worldly values, so of course they're going to criticize you. And then he says this. Watch this in verse 20. He says, remember. Anticipate. Remember what I told you. A servant, that's us, is not greater than his master, that's Jesus. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. Here's all Jesus is telling us. He's saying you have to anticipate it, otherwise it's going to debilitate you in your future when it comes. And here's how some of us like operate. We just operate like, oh, I don't, uh, 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 why am I getting criticized? Anticipate it. I want to give you a sports analogy. Think about a football field for a minute. You watch football, whether you played or not. On a football field, what are the hits that hurt the most that can be the most destructive? They're the ones you never saw coming. You ever seen a QB get blindside hit from the blindside? I mean, it's, it, it's like you cringe. You ever seen someone running down off a punt return or like a kickoff return? They're just running. Oh, bam! Never saw it coming. Those are the injuries that are the worst. Now, if you see it coming, what happens is you can brace yourself and you can absorb some of the blow. And what happens with criticism is if you never think it's going to come, You don't expect it. When it hits you, it puts you on the ground and you're stuck. And here's how a lot of us live our lives. We're like walking along. Oh, I'm never going to get criticized. Bam! Oh. (sighs) Mommy. I mean, we, we act like, where did that come from? Why would they criticize me? That was so unfair. Who promised you fairness? In fact, if you're a leader and you're looking for fairness, you're in the wrong profession. 
Life is not fair. And Jesus did not promise us in this world everything was going to be fair. Well, I'm not getting up until they say sorry. Jesus is like, get up, buttercup. It's time to keep moving. No, I'm not getting up until they admit that was wrong and harsh. And we get stuck. Now listen, it's okay if criticism knocks you down. Sometimes it will. It's not okay to stay stuck. God designed you to leave your footprints in the sand, not your butt print. (laughs) And some of us are stuck. And it's time to get up. God designed you for more. You anticipate it. You don't let it put you down. In fact, here's what you know. What happens is to make progress in life, to keep walking, you will have the scars of criticism in your past that sometimes you, you see those scars. You know you got criticized. And we don't let it hold us back. We anticipate it. Jesus is the ultimate model of this. If he got criticized, we will too. And I think Jesus shows us another biblical principle, which is this. The bigger the impact you're making for Jesus, the larger a target you become for criticism. Do you understand that? In this world, which everyone doesn't follow Jesus, not even close, when you make an impact for Jesus, you put a huge target on your back to receive criticism. And take this in the spirit in which I mean it. Our church is a good example of that. God is moving in a way that I don't even have words to describe in our church. I mean, it's revival-like. The number of people that are giving their lives to Jesus and being baptized and the lives changed we're seeing and the growth we're seeing across the valley to impact our valley for Jesus. You just better believe our church is going to get criticism like crazy. We have a target on our back. And that's okay. People are like, oh, they're watering it down. They're doing something wrong to keep growing. I mean, that's so weird to me to think that. In the book of Acts, 3,000 people were saved on one day. At what point are we going to see that level of the Holy Spirit unleashed in our midst? We're going to keep growing. We're going to keep reaching people for Jesus. And it's okay if we have a target on our back. It's fine. We're not going to let that hold us back. No, listen, some of the criticism's okay. Like, we'll take it. But man, we're just going to keep preaching Jesus and asking his Holy Spirit to move. Don't be surprised when criticism comes your way. <laughs> Watch this in 1 Peter 4 too. Dear friends, do not be surprised. Huh. Don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. So point number one, we're going to anticipate it so it doesn't debilitate us when it comes. Here's point number two. Often no response is needed with criticism, but if you do respond, you'll rarely regret a gentle response. Let me, let me break both these down. You understand when criticism comes your way that you're not obligated to respond, and oftentimes the wisest thing you can do is not respond at all. Watch what Jesus did. This is a verse that many of us should memorize. 1 Peter 2.23, talking about Jesus. They called him every name in the book, and he said what? Nothing. He said nothing back. He suffered in silence, content to let God set things right. You understand when Jesus was criticized, 
he oftentimes had no response. He didn't complain. He didn't criticize back. He sat content knowing that God was his defender and he could rely on God to set things straight. Can I tell you how much I struggle with this? I mean, when I get criticized, I want to give it back. I mean, I want to set the record straight. My wife is so much better at this than me. I mean, God bless her. She's helped me so much. You know what she said to me so many times for years? She said, Ashley, the truth always comes out. She says that to me over and over again. I'm like, but I want to let the truth come out. Sometimes we need to let God be our defender and not always feel like we have to defend ourselves. Because here's what Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verse 2. He said, the time is coming when everything that is covered up will be revealed. And all that is secret will be made known to all. Do you understand there's a time coming where everything will come to light? And we're not the ones that always have to take it upon ourselves to bring it to light, to respond to criticism. In fact, I've tried to live by this mantra. And this is something somebody needs to write down today. Your friends don't need an answer. And your enemies won't believe you no matter what you say. Can I say that again? When it comes to you getting criticized, do you understand your friends don't need an answer? The people that really know you and know your character and heart and your enemies, they won't believe you no matter how you respond. And so oftentimes we feel the need to respond and Jesus teaches us you don't always have to respond. There's been times on social media people have said things about me or our church and it's just vile. It's just 100% untrue. And we don't always feel the need to respond. I don't always feel the need to respond. The worst place to get into an argument is over social. And in fact, some people poke at you over social because they want you to engage because they want you to build their platform. And you don't have to play along. You can live with integrity. In fact, it's, it's been said, you understand, when you wrestle with a pig, the pig likes it and you're the one that ends up dirty. And, and this, this is why I think throughout Scripture, God tells us, I want to help you soar on wings like, say it out loud, like what? An eagle. An eagle should be in your mind. What does an eagle do? An eagle flies at a higher altitude than all the other birds. An eagle's taking the high road, way above all the other birds. And an eagle doesn't see the need to have to stoop down to the level of other birds. An eagle soaring at such heights because they have a purpose and a mission. They don't need to get into the business of all the mess down here. And you need to soar on wings like eagles sometimes. Just take the high road. Let God defend you. You don't always need to respond. Now that being said, there's a time where it is appropriate to respond. And this takes wisdom. And what I'm telling you is biblically, when you respond, you will rarely regret responding with gentleness. Proverbs 15.1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. How many of you today have regretted a time where you responded harshly to someone? Every married person should be like, that's me. That's me, right? There are so many times I could give you that I have regretted my response, that I've responded harshly, not only in my marriage, just, just with people. In fact, it, it was years ago when I got that 
that email from that woman that said, did you even study for that message? It was horrible. And then she gave all these biblical reasons of why it was all messed up. My wife says that being a communicator, I have the gift of verbal filleting people. That's not a compliment, by the way. You know, it's like, she says, you can just fillet people. And I'm not saying it was the worst response I've ever had, but let me just say, I ripped this lady pretty good. And I responded really, really quick to her. And what I basically said is, I'm like, did I study? You need to know, when I get up to preach a message, I'm at least 40 hours of study into that message. And then I took each of her biblical points and I ripped them to shreds. I pressed send and it felt so good. Oh, and praise God, I changed her mind. She was transformed. How many of you know that didn't happen, right? Harsh words do what? They stir up anger. And let me just say this, that woman no longer goes to our church. Now listen to me. What if that woman doesn't go to any other church now? understand what's on the line. I I regret that. And part of my regret is I didn't wait before I responded. One of the worst things you can do when when you're a little bit emotional, something kind of hits you, is, is when you respond immediately versus waiting, let me put it this way, when emotion is high, wisdom is low. When your emotions are high, That is not when you make your best decisions, and you know it. So if you have criticism that kind of hits you pretty hard, the wisest thing you can do is just wait. Don't type it right away and send it. Wait a day. Wait a week. That's when you become wise, and that's when gentleness can seep back in, and you become a better person in the process. How could I have responded to that woman? I don't know. I could have said this. Hey, I'm sorry I disappointed you. Hang in there. Maybe my preaching will get better. Why is it so important for us not to stir up anger with people around us, but in gentleness respond in a godly fashion? That's so different than the world around us. Why does that matter? Because of point three. Behind every harsh criticism is a deeper hurt. You need to understand something that Really angry people and harsh people are always hurting people. And hurt people hurt people. So behind every harsh criticism is a deeper hurt or a wound or something you don't see. In fact, what I've found is that oftentimes someone's deep disappointment in me is rooted in their deeper disappointment in someone else. A parent, an ex something going on in their life, even their disappointment in themselves. You have to understand that underneath every harsh hurt and criticism is a deeper hurt. I'm just going to say it this way because we can be real today. It's how we roll as a church. I have never, ever in my life met a grounded, centered follower of Jesus who sits around and lashes out harsh just, just brash criticisms on social media. Have you? I've never met someone who's a, a deep-centered follower of Jesus just ripping people to shreds on social media. It doesn't happen. 
There's always, in fact, someone that's, that's a really mean-spirited person is a wounded person. And if you just respond to their criticism, you might miss ministering to the deeper hurt. Let me give you an example from my own life. Years ago, a woman sent me a two-page email and she ripped me to shreds about a, a comment I had made about marriage and forgiveness. And it was so harsh, it was so out there, I knew there had to be something underneath the surface. So luckily this time I, I just responded very gently and I don't, I don't always get to do this, but what I did in this situation, I actually picked up the phone and I called her. Now it's kind of funny how brave and harsh people can be over email and when you call them, their tone changes pretty quick, right? Oh, hi, hello, uh, yeah, I uh, didn't, you know, they start to apologize a little bit, but then she was just really, just wanted to articulate how insensitive it was and how wrong it was what I said. Now, instead of responding to that, I just said this, I said, hey, can you tell me your experience with what you've experienced in your life? Tears, I can hear them. Choked up voice, and she begins to describe the most painful thing she'd ever been in. She said, I was married, and there was multiple levels of infidelity and affairs and issues. She said, I found out about the infidelity because I went to the doctor and found out I had an STD. She said, I always wanted to have kids, but because of that STD, I'm now no longer able to have kids. And it's the most painful thing she's ever been through. And I was able to just minister with her, pray with her, get her connected to a female on our staff and get her some counseling resources. But do you understand what's at stake if, if I just responded to the initial criticism? Under all that criticism, especially the really harsh, abrasive stuff, there's always a deeper hurt going on inside someone. Listen to how Jesus put it in Matthew 15. He said, but the things that come out of a person's mouth, they come from where? They come from the heart. So the things that come out of people's mouths are the words they type in an email, or on social, oftentimes there's something deeper in the heart and we need as Christians to be aware that if we wanna help people, we have to look at that deeper hurt. There's always a deeper hurt. And by the way, that doesn't just apply to the people criticizing us. That principle also applies to how we respond to harsh and unfair criticism in our own life. Here's principle number four. How you respond to criticism is often a leading indicator of your personal health. This is maybe one of my biggest learnings I've had over the past four years when it, com when it comes to criticism. I'll give you just a, a really raw, just personal example. At the end of 2020, um, I had worked harder that year than I've ever worked in my life. I had not taken much time off. I had just been dealing with so much, I was honestly getting a little crispy as a leader. I've been burning the candle at both ends for too long. I got an email from someone on one of our campuses about a message I preached, and it was a really long email saying how unbiblical of a pastor I am because I don't teach from the King James Version of the Bible. Now, 99.9999% of the time, I'm pressing delete, and I will never think about that again. Or I'm sending an auto-reply from Ashley at idontgivearip.com. <laughs> I don't have that email, but I kind of wish I did, you know, sometimes. I was like, I don't give a rip. Um, but here's what happened in my heart, being very transparent. It sat with me. 
I was thinking about it days, even a week later. It was still sitting with me. It was bothering me. And I was thinking about all the ways I was going to rip this woman for such a stupid email. I was going to explain to her theologically how, do you understand that was written in 1611 to the king? And it was based on manuscripts. And we have much better manuscripts today, much better translations. It was written in Old English. Like, that's so dumb. It's so stupid to send something like this. And I thought to myself, why is this sitting with me? And I realized why. It's because I was leading off empty. And when you lead off empty, you're not able to give and be the person and the leader you really want to be. Think about it this way. In your car, when your car runs out of gas and gets on empty, what happens to your car? You're broken down on the side of the road. Otherwise, that car is just cruising along. And that is why your car gives you a warning light as your gas gets low to say, hey, you're almost on empty. You better fill up. And you need to understand in your life, and I, understand, I, I now understand this about me. It's so great of, an, of a leading indicator. God gave you a leading indicator, a warning light in your life that how you respond to unfair criticism is a leading indicator, a gauge of how empty you are in your life. Can I put it this way? If unfair criticism is eating away at you, there's a good chance there's something empty inside of you. And I praise God because I realized that, and man, our elders were so great, they gave me a little time away, I was able to refresh and fill back up because I don't wanna be a leader that leads off empty. That's not good for anyone, and you don't wanna be a person a mom, a dad, a coworker, a leader that leads off empty. So understand, when you respond disproportionately to some dumb, unfair piece of criticism, it's an indicator you need help. You need to look at your spiritual life, your physical life, your mental health. Such a great thing for us to learn. That's the fourth thing. The fifth thing I want to explain to you today is the biggest thing I've learned, the deepest, and I'm still learning it. Let me put it this way. I know something about myself. I like people. I like you. I love our church. Let's just say I like most of you. Okay, I do. <laughs> I like people. I love being around people. And I like people to like me. And there's a little people pleaser inside of me just like there's a little people pleaser inside of you. And if we're not careful, our people pleasing becomes an idol where we start looking to other people to give us what we are designed to get only from God. In other words, you were designed to live for an audience of one, not an audience of many. And what happens is when you crave, crave, crave the approval of men, you know what happens? Let me say it this way. If you crave the approval of man, you'll be crushed under their criticism. And it should show us something about ourselves. That we were designed to find our worth and our value and our blessing from God, not from, from what everyone else thinks about us. So here was my biggest learning. Point number five was this. Lead out of your blessing, not for a blessing. Let me say it again, because I, I want to really let this sink in theologically 
and I want to let it sink in deeply into your mind and heart today. You have to learn to lead out of a blessing, not from a blessing from other people. Think about this. When God made us, in Genesis, when God made us, he blessed us and then he gave us something to do. God didn't give us something to do and then bless us when we perform and people applaud us. In other words, when God made you, God said from the very beginning, it is good. You're already blessed. You can lead from a blessing. And what every single one of us needs to do is wake up every single day. Every single day, wake up and think, I'm blessed. God has blessed me. I don't need to look for my blessing from other people. What I do, my performance at work or with my kids or my marriage or with my bank account. I'm already blessed. <laughs> so many of us have mixed this up. We're looking for our blessing from other people. This is why Jesus could love everyone. Because he led from a place where he was love, he wasn't looking for love. He wasn't looking for his approval from other people. And I'm just telling you, some of us need to get this right in 2024. Because as long as you lead looking for a blessing from others, you'll never be able to lead out of a blessing and you're gonna seek all your approval all the goodness God wants. You're going to seek it from other people. And when you crave the approval of man, you can get crushed under their criticism. Let me ask you, where are you looking for your approval? Do you understand that you are blessed by God right now like, if you don't perform any better, God still loves you. He wants more for you. But you don't have to wake up tomorrow morning and think, well, man, if so-and-so doesn't like me and so-and-so doesn't give me approval and so-and-so doesn't stop saying mean things about me, I can't be who God wants me to be. Wrong. God has so much good in store for you. And some of you are bending to the approval of others instead of, submitting to the approval of God. Listen, if you find your approval in God, you can rise above any criticism this world throws at you, but only if you look to him and him alone. Can I ask you, where, where do you seem to be bending your morals, your values, your purpose in your life because you're stuck with criticism from someone? You're stuck looking for the approval from people around you. I think God has so much more for all of us in 2024, but it will only come when we don't get crushed by unfair or harsh criticism around us. Now listen, there's good criticism. We need to keep listening to the feedback of people that love us. But that criticism that's out there that's crushing you, this is the year it changes. This is the year that you seek God's approval and live for an audience of one. So if you know you need that, I'm gonna ask you to take this declaration with me. Let's all stand to our feet. Just because you stand to your feet doesn't mean you're taking the declaration. But if you know you need this, I want you to say this out loud, loud and proud with me today. You ready? 
This year, with God's help and the power of the Holy Spirit, I declare, I won't let criticism crush me. People's opinions of me will not hold me back from God's plans for me. I will live for an audience of one. Let's pray together. God, you, you know how much I've dealt with this, how much I've struggled with this, and God, I, I don't wanna lead for a blessing. I wanna lead from a blessing, because God, you've blessed every single one of us. You sent Jesus to prove your love and how worthy we are. There's someone here today that they're still stuck. There's criticism that's seeped into their heart. It could be from a teacher 30, 40 years ago said something to them, a mom or dad that just crushed their spirit and they're still trying to find approval in somebody else. Now, there, there's a mother-in-law, that, father-in-law, there's someone that just said something, maybe even on social, that just sits with them. And I just pray today, God, that you would get a hold of every one of our hearts, that we would declare 2024 will be the year that we'll learn to deal with criticism, that we would meditate on your word, who you called us to be, and we won't let criticism crush us because we're living for an audience of one. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. And all of us said, amen, amen. Hey, we're gonna continue the series next week. It's a great time to invite a friend. If you haven't invited a friend to CCV lately, what are you waiting for? See you next weekend, everybody.